0: Continue our series, Summer in the Psalm. Let me go in and echo and reiterate. Happy Father's Day to all our fathers in the house. We thank God for each and every one of you and all of you who joined in this sacred space. And while you're putting your hands together, why don't you help me thank God for our praise team, help me thank God for our media ministry, and to all of you, my brothers and sisters from the greeters at the door, to all of you who are here. Is this exciting to be here in the house of the Lord, where we can turn our attention to the word of God. And the psalm I invite your attention to join me in is Psalm 121. Maybe a familiar psalm to some of us uh, who've been familiar in the psalms. Um, if not, may the Lord uh, share with us with a fresh a revelation of what his word has to say to us in this day. Psalm 121 is where our message for the morning on this Father's Day is coming from. If you made your way there in your copy of God's word, You'll see words similar to these. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? In fact, the second part of that very verse is really the title of our our message today. Where does my help come from? You bow your heads with me. Father, you are truly good. And there's none like you. And we want to give all of ourselves, all of our souls to you and to you alone. So now, Father, we ask that you would condition our hearts and our minds that we are receptive soil for the seed of your word. That your word might be implanted deep within us. That we not only be hearers of the word, but that we be doers. That our lives might glorify you. That your word might edify us. And that someone we lead into a relationship with you, that they will know you as the true and living God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Yes, where does my help come from? I remember that uh, resounding question early in my, my fatherhood. How many fathers do we have in, in the house? Just raise your hand if your father, if your father in the house. All right, good to see there's some support, some support in the house. Uh, Early on in my my fatherhood, I I remember very well when when that particular question was so pointed in my mind. Anthony, it was back in 2005. By 2005, let me show you how this thing worked. In 2002 was when I first became a father. 2002, I first became a father by God's grace after 67 years of marriage. God blessed us uh, with our first child, um, who's now adulting. All of them are adulting now, um, um, but he was back then, back then, uh, back in 2002. Don't be trying to date date my my age here, okay? But for all of you who said happy birthday, thank you so much. I appreciate that uh, as God continues to show his faithfulness over the years. Um, But but there in 2002, uh, God blessed us to be a father. And so um, I figured but since it took seven years for the first one, to come, um, that uh, by the next year, I shouldn't be back in the hospital. But, Cash, you know, by 2003, <laughs> I was back in the hospital. And um, so I, I was fatherhood times two. And so now fatherhood times two. And you think that were not enough um, in 2005, Doug, guess what happened? <laughs> yeah, I was back in the hospital, back in the hospital. Um, so that says fatherhood times three, but something uh, happened in 2005 as I was a young father um, there uh, we were on our way in 2005 with a six-month in tow a, a one-year-old and a two-year-old um, and we were told we had to evacuate our city I will never forget this um, as as it is still fresh in my mind and we were evacuating our city the city of New Orleans um, out of threat uh, from a hurricane impending hurricane that's that, that in turn devastated the entire city so as we are commuting we took a 16-hour trip uh, from New Orleans to Houston. We're making our way here. We're listening to uh, the uh, updates on the storm, only to hear that the storm waters were flooding our city, um, and we made our way to the Houston area. When we got here, Castle, to the Houston area, we pulled up at a church. I'm asking God, the whole journey, what are we going to do? The whole journey there, I'm trying to figure out. I have three children that I know of. Because later on, a few months later, after everything is gone, uh, she told me she was pregnant again. I just don't understand how, how this thing keeps happening. But, 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 but we're making our way. I'm trying to figure out, as a father, what, what am I going to do? What's, what's going to happen Everything is gone. Everything we worked for is destroyed. There is no more job. There's no more home. We don't even have access to our resources because the hub of the bank that we dealt with is now underwater. And so I'm just there trying to figure it out. You know how we do, uh, fathers. You you act like you know when you don't know until you do know what you didn't know. Uh, So that's where I was. Um, I was trying to figure this thing out, and we pulled up to a church. That's when my my then uh, two-year-old said, said, Daddy, we pulled up to the church. He said, Daddy, is this our new house now? I said, Son, this is the house we come to when you need help. We pulled up to the church. I said, this is the house you come to when you need help. And listen to me. No matter where you are in this life, if you haven't experienced it already, there will be points and places, seasons, and settings in your life where you will need help that only God can provide. I want to tell you that. I want you to hear that. And so you ask the question, where does our help come from? That's the question he asked. Because we all need help. Get this. And God is the help we need. See, in this context, the psalmist here is on a caravan. He's in a caravan um, on his pilgrimage to the, the holy city. He's, he's making his way to worship. Get this now. Uh, he's going with a caravan, because typically uh, on their way to worship, families would come together in order for them to, to migrate the meandering mountainous region, the treacherous terrain, terrain, in order for them to get to the place of worship. You have to see this, because the context is such that where he's headed is, is mountainous, it's it's hilly, and fathers are leading the caravan. Now, I don't know what the dialogue was like when they were leading the caravan. I don't know if, if they were frustrated as they were going that way because somebody wanted to take a pit stop to go use the restroom uh, when they were on their way there. I, I don't know what it was like as they were making their way. Perhaps somebody wanted lunch, and they get to see all the other families go ahead of them. and like, you know, that could have been us if you didn't have to stop. I know I got a few fathers in here going to back me up. You're man enough to say it. Yeah. Uh, 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 and so they're making their way in the caravan. Fathers are leading. And the psalmist says, as he looks up in the distance, the question comes to mind. As he looks to the hills, he asks the question, Doug, where does my help come from? It's, it's a difficult terrain that's in front of him. You got to understand. This is not a season or time where there are excavators. There are no paths that have been drawn out. Uh, They're all in a pilgrimage. They're walking along the way, going to a place. Some of them have never been trying to worship God. And on the way to go to worship God, the question he's asking is how am i going to make it. How am I going to make it through the next season of my life? How am I going to make it through what looks like it's going to be a difficult journey? And let me pause right now because there's somebody in here. You're in that setting right now. You've made your way to worship. But if you're honest about it, you have the question, how am I going to make it? You don't understand what it took for me to get here on this Father's Day. How am I going to make it the next step of the way? That's what the psalmist asks. But notice he's asking the question of himself. And then he answers the question for himself. Before anybody else is there to answer the question for him, in the next verse he answers the question and he says, my help comes from the Lord. If you ever want to know, and you ever raise a question in your life, if circumstances come, and you're trying to figure out, London, how we're going to make it to the next step after baptism, how I'm going to make it in my life in this next chapter, because there's some stuff happening in my life that even my neighbor don't know about. But had they known about it, they'd wonder how I made it to worship. Am I talking to anybody up in here that you're going through a season and a setting in your life, and you have that question, how am I going to make it? Here it is. Here's the answer. My help comes from who? Who? comes from the Lord. He says, he says in this text, you're going to see two, two movements here as he describes God. Psalm says, my help comes from the Lord, which means the Lord is a helper. In fact, I hope you say why don't you go and say that. Say, my Lord is a helper. I told you to say my because it's personalized in the text. In that, in that second verse, he says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, which means if you want to receive help From the divine helper you have to personally know god for yourself you have to know the father as your father then you'll know that the father really wants to help you i hope you get this that god really wants to be your help okay jesus said it this way in matthew 7 he said if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? God wants to help you. But in order to receive His help, you must draw closer him. I, I'm encouraged about this text and I hope this text encourages you because they told us to uh, select the text uh, that means the most to us and there are so many psalms that mean uh, so many things to me and I believe also to you because if you're ever looking to go to a place in scripture that can understand and with relevance know what you're going through, go to the book of psalms. In the Book of, in the Psalms, in, in the books of the psalms, in the Psalter you'll find every emotion, every struggle that believers go through. You'll find frustration and you'll find celebration in the psalm. If you want to go to a psalm you'll see people who've gone through some dark times and saw God as the deliverer and there are those who are on their way into dark times and they still celebrate that God is their deliverer you are a journey in the psalms and here they are they're on their way and I love the way he describes God he described God as a helper because he says God is is the maker of heaven and earth. Please don't run past this. If I go too fast, just slow me down. Just say, hold on, slow slow down for a moment here, Pastor, because here's the reality of rain. This gives us encouragement, particularly when you're in a place where you need help, when you know that God, the God he's talking about, the God he's describing, is the maker of what? heaven and earth. Come on, flip back to the first chapter in the first book, that first verse in Genesis that says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. I hope you catch it. It said the earth was formless and void and darkness hovered over the spirit hovered over the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. I'm in Genesis, y'all, but that's who he's describing here. Check it now. He's describing the Lord who makes the heaven and earth and before God ever said, let there be light, he formed the heaven and the earth, the cosmos and everything before he said, let there be light. Oh, you're not with me just yet here. Let me help you. If you're in a dark context and there is no light that's shining in your life, you can still look to the Lord to help you because he does his best work in the dark, that God creates heaven in the midst of darkness. And if you just come to him, ah, he's able to pave a way for you because God is our helper. Psalm 46 and one says, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in times of trouble. Anybody ever been in a time of trouble? Anybody here will be honest about it and say, you know what, I got, I got some experience in trouble. Anybody in here will testify that, you know what, I've been there. I know you're looking at me right now. Like, things are all good. But if you knew the, the resume of my life experience, you know that I've been in some stuff and I don't look like what I've been through. Why? Because the Lord has been with me. He's been keeping me because he has been my helper my helper. Um, but not only is he a helper, if you look at the flow of the text, the next stanza, uh, scholars say it goes from conversation to conversation. Check this out. It says, uh, the leader begins in verse 1 and 2. And then the congregation responds in verse 3 through 8. Okay, Let me flip it this way. Um, when the, the kind of context, you may not know this. Let me tell you a secret. Um, the church that I grew up in, had this uh, practice that we call call and response. You may not, you may not understand that, huh? Yeah, yeah. That 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 when the preacher said something that was true, then the congregation would respond, "Yeah, that's true." Uh, that, that, I'm not saying you have to be that kind con- of congregation. I'm just saying the congregation that that, that I came from, um, and the congregation I came from, we really believe that. Let the redeemed of the Lord. You ought to say something. Not not so. Not not shake your head. So no. The Bible says you ought to. Okay, that, that's right there. That's the call and response. And that's what's happening in the text right here. Because the leader says, uh, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And somebody in the congregation declares and says, he won't let your, your foot slip. That's verse 3. He says, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber nor sleep. Somebody in the congregation says, yeah, I can testify for what you're saying. Because I know God, the kind of God that will give you stability. When things are unstable. I'm in the text. He says he won't let your foot slip. Meaning, meaning he's holding on to you so that whatever you're going through won't get the best of you because God's already got you. Man, I hope y'all catch this. Uh, it, it speaks to stability. He won't let your foot slip. It speaks to uh, steadiness. It, it speaks to God's ability to hold you. When everything seems like it's falling apart around you. That's really what he says here. He says you ought to trust in God. It's similar to what Psalm 37 says. It says the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be cast headlong for the Lord upholds him in his hands. Mm, I love that text. I saw that text realized a few, few Easter's back. I saw the text realize. Um, um, I'm not gonna point the, the, the fault out, though. He's in the congregation, uh, but but you should have saw him that Easter. Um, it, for, for some reason, a whole lot of people attend on Easter. So all the parking lots were was all the parking spaces was taken up. So I had to park across from the kids' building on that particular issue. So there I was, and since it was Houston, it had rained just the day before, and so we had some water puddles all around the parking lot. I'm parked there. I'm getting ready to come into worship at 10:45, and I happened to see this father. This father is holding his son's hand. They were rocking hand in hand. I, I like to watch people like that. You know, just just to watch. You never know what the Lord will tell you. And so uh, they were holding hand in hand. Check it out, man. This 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 father. Son had some white shoes on with white slacks, a blue shirt, and a white bow tie. Well, I remember my kids used to dress like that. I don't know what happened after that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was so wonderful. This, this kid had, had 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 white shoes on and white slacks with a white bow tie and a blue shirt, and there he was holding his daddy's hand, hand in hand, and they were walking on their way to the kids' building. And Scott, you won't believe this, but this little boy was like every other boy because as he was holding his daddy's hand, they were coming close to a puddle. I saw it. I was just checking it out. This little boy looked at it. you could tell by his mannerism that he had a plan that his daddy didn't know anything about, and so he was that is holding his hand, hand in hand, and this little boy saw that puddle, saw the opportunity, and he would all, with both feet off the ground, he jumped up, and just before he hit the puddle, his dad reached up and held him up. I'm trying to help you understand something, that, that when God is your keeper, he has you in your hands, and when you seem like you're about to fall, when it seems like you're about to give up, God will hold you up. When you can't hold yourself up, God will hold you up. He'll lift you up. He'll, he'll keep you because he's a keeper. Ah, uh, he, he's a keeper. He says he won't let your foot slip. So that starts to speak steadiness. But look at verse 4. He says, behold, he who keeps Israel, the believing community, will neither slumber nor sleep. I love this. Because sometimes, I don't know about you all, but sometimes fathering gets tiring. Oh, I'm the only one in here. <laughs> I mean, it was great when they were little. Oh, but this whole adulting thing, I don't even know who came up with that term. But anyway, um, it, sometimes it gets, it gets tired. I love my kids, don't get me wrong. I, I love them to, to pieces. I'll give all four of them. Um, but you know, sometimes, can I tell you, Austin, like, like we're we right there, man. We're we like, we like, we like right there when they all leave the house. I'm just like, I'm, I'm itching to just say, say, yeah, let the Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you uh, uh, Caleb, I'm right there. I keep telling him, listen, I knew your mama before y'all came here, and I'm just looking forward to the time that we could have. We can... Anyway, all right, here. Uh, and, so, and, so, and so it gets tiring. But what's encouraging about the text is that God, our Heavenly Father, never tires watching over his children. Look at Look at the text. He says, he who keeps Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps, which means that not only does he hold you steady, but your life, when you trust in God, is under his sovereign security. That means he's watching over you all the time, that there's never a time where God doesn't see you. Oh, I get it, though, because sometimes we stop seeing God, so we believe that God doesn't see us. But the truth is that God always sees us, and when you place your trust in God, God always has us. But the problem is, is sometimes when we're going through some of the things we go through, we're focusing too much on what we're going through instead of he who's with us to help us get through it. I hope you catch this. Maybe you ought to put in the holy practice and discipline that before you start looking at your problems, you look at God first. Because when you look at God first, it puts your problems in perspective. That if I look at my problems, my problems are greater than me. If I look at my struggles, my struggles are greater than my ability. But if I look at my my situation, and sometime in my family unit, I don't have all that I need to do what needs to be done. But if I look at God first, I realize that my problem is only minuscule to the size of my God. Which means then that anything that I go through my God is greater than. So when I go to my God first, then it puts me in perspective to know that if God be for me, then there's nothing that can be against me. It puts me in perspective to know that, that yea, though I walk through a valley of death, though it looks bad, that it looks like everything is falling apart, I don't have to fear because God is right there with me. I'm in the text because the text says, in the first verse, that first word there, he says, behold. I hope you catch it. He says, behold, he who keeps Israel, which means become aware. That means uh, um, recognize. Uh, That that means uh, set your sight on what is the greater truth. And the greater truth is if you made it this far, you didn't make it on your own. The greater truth is that if you've gone through all that you've been through and you're still here to say something about it, you didn't make it here on your own. It's evidence in your life. I don't have to know what you've been through to know that God has been with you. Because God has been keeping us even when we didn't want to be kept, God kept us. Even when we weren't looking for God to hold on to God was watching out for us. And the result of that is that you're still here to testify that God has been keeping you. I said it earlier, I'm going to say it again. He says it eight times in the verse, God is a keeper. I want you to to hold on to this. His keeping means he steadies you. His keeping means he has security over you. He says again in verse 5, the Lord is your Keeper. Look how he illustrates. He said, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. I hope you see this here. The text says, God is the kind of keeper that he keeps you day and night. Mm, It's right there. Um, He says the sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. This is an illustration that God, when you trust in him, is your 360 degree shield, that that he's all around you, that, that he protects you from the elements by day and the enemies by night. Here's the text, because they're in a monstrous terrain. They're making their way to the holy place. They don't know who is trying to set them up along the way. They can't stay up all night long, even though we sometimes, when we worry, we try to stay up all night long. But like the old deacon told me, he said, why would you stay up all night long when God's already going to be up all night long? You ought to rest and understand that God has you even through the night. And so here it is. They're telling them, listen, you know God is your keeper. Because he is the one who has been protecting you from the sun by day. Now, in this Palestinian environment, they didn't have uh, sunblock. Uh, and so, if it's an arid arid area, um, more desert-like um, than, than forestation. And so, here they are making their way to the holy place. And the sun, you think Houston heat is hot. I just left New Orleans. I'm going to tell you about it in a moment. Uh, and, and, and they, the, the sun would then, would then cause them to fall out with heat strokes and, and sometimes even death if they did not prepare um, to brave, uh, br- brave the elements that were there. He says, the Lord will be your shade on your right hand. Don't miss this. He says, God will protect you. Hmm. He didn't say that God was going to get rid of the heat of the sun. He didn't say he would get, he would get rid of the, the, what happens in the night. It would still be there. But he said God would be your shade. Oh, let me see how I can fix this for you. Um, I, I, I was in I was in New Orleans. Um, God bless. I was in New Orleans. Um, and as I was in New Orleans, I, I happened to be to be riding to the convention center, and I looked over through the window. Look at the window. Um, and I saw somebody that reminded me. You know what? This is indeed New Orleans because here it was. Um, it, it was it was in the nineties. Um, heat index felt like it was in the hundreds. Um, the humidity was was, was thick. Um, now, those who know me know that I really love this kind of weather, um, but, but for the rest of y'all, um, it, they, 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 it, 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 was, it was really hot, right? And so, I'm looking over, and I see, I see this father. I know he's a father. I assume he's a father because there's some little kids around him, um, and he's, he's making his way down the sidewalk, but check this out. Uh, this father, um, all of a sudden, while I was sitting there on the bus, getting ready to go to the convention center, he pulls out, 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 of, out of his sack um, an umbrella. you got to be in New Orleans to know something about this here. He pulls out an umbrella. Now, hold on. The sun is shining. There's no storm out there, but he pulls out an umbrella. He pulls out an umbrella, not to do a second line. He pulls out an umbrella, and he puts it over him because that umbrella gave him shade. Only you all know in New Orleans how I'm talking about here. He pulls out that umbrella, and it gave him shade, and everybody around him, come here. The umbrella was good for him when it stormed, and the umbrella was good for him when it was too hot. Come here. God is that kind of shade, that when you come before the Lord, he will protect you and keep you. When the situation gets hot, he'll be there to protect you. When the storm rises, he'll be there to protect you. When you place your trust in God, he will be your keeper. I'm the only one getting excited here. It's okay. Uh, He'll be your keeper. He'll he'll be your keeper. that's, That's what the psalmist says. In Psalm 16 and 8, he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. That when you have your trust, in God. Fathers, it doesn't matter how difficult fatherhood has been or shall be. Look to God and God will keep you. I know all the time in our, our examples, we strive to be the best example, but the truth is we're human and we have flaws. But guess what? Even in the midst of your flaws, when your faith is in God, God will keep you, God will keep your family. Even if your children go prodigal, God is so good that God can keep a prodigal child under His divine security because God is a keeper. I told you the only two points of this message is he's a helper and he is a keeper. i got to finish now. Uh, we're at verse 8. We're at verse 8, and he says, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That God will keep you as you come into worship and as you go out of worship. And not only will he keep you then, but he'll keep you where you are right now, and when you place your trust in him, he'll keep you forevermore. This This text here, it says, going out and coming in speaks to every experience. Everywhere you find yourself. That God's perpetual presence is a safeguard. I hope you get this. That when you place your trust in God, he's a helper, he can help you, he will help you, and there's nothing he can't help you out of, and that he will keep you. He will keep you. That means he will preserve your life, and he'll keep your life no matter what's going on through your life. So look what the psalmist says in Psalm 125 and 2. He says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. Did you catch it? That when you place your faith and trust in God, fathers, it doesn't matter um, where you are, what season you're in, families, it doesn't matter what's going on. When you place your faith and trust in God, God is going to keep you, secure you, hold you, perpetually guide you with the safeguards that are with him as you go out and as you come in, which means right now. God is an available safeguard. You may come in here battered and bruised by what you've been through, but when you give your all to God, God is able to save you. I want you to get this, which means you belong to God. Because when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just like our our kids had done earlier and they celebrated through believer's baptism, when you've done that, you belong to God. John chapter 1 says that all those who believed in him, he gave them the right to be the children of God. And when you are a child of God, you are safeguarded by God. Listen, I ask that you pray for us. We have a mission team that's about to go and make our way to, uh, to Kenya to uh, on, on mission fields in Nairobi, Kenya, so I ask that you pray for us. We're leaving on Monday, so I really um, really ask that you, if you, as you think of us, lift us up in prayer um, as God is leading us as a team from, from all of our campuses. We make one team, and we got to go out there and do a marvelous work. God is always blessed on that mission field, and we're looking, we're looking forward to it, um, Cassie. But if anybody ever comes with me, if ever you feel led to come with me, I have to tell you this now. Now, um, I'm not a good traveler. I know I travel a lot. I do travel a lot, but, but I'm not a good traveler. I, I, I'm very sensitive to travel. Um anybody besides me, you you know you nobody. Okay, it's all right. I'm just meeting. I'm I am i am a little sensitive to travel, Shannon. And, and though I travel so much, I, I'm sensitive. Because I don't care to fly, but oftentimes I, I have to fly, Caleb. Um and I take all kinds of of things to help me be comfortable when I fly. I told you I came from New Orleans, getting ready to go to Kenya. Now, New Orleans is only a 50 minute flight. I think Kenya is like a 21 hour flight. Um, When I was making my way here, catch this I really want you to get this. They were delaying the flight because there was a storm in the area. Let's get this. So we we boarded the plane Board the plane, the, the, the captain came over the speaker and he, he said, listen, I, I won't have any beverage services uh, because we're gonna, gonna, we expect some turbulence. We're about to go into a storm. I just told you I'm sensitive when I travel. So I'm, I'm gripping the edges of the seat. And God reminded me about this text I've been meditating on. and. He said, what are you worrying about? I've been keeping you all this time. So I began to pray. I prayed for the pilot. I said, God, you need to direct that pilot. I prayed for the stewardess. I prayed for all the emergency lights. I prayed for the plane. I prayed for the screws that were holding the plane together. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. This is real talk. And after I prayed, I sat back and I went to sleep. The plane took off. That was the departure. The plane arrived. And when it touched ground, I woke up. I wasn't aware of what happened while we were in flight. All I knew that the God who held me when I was on the ground The same God who held me when I was in the air, and he brought me from where I was to where I was going to be. Come here. I'm trying to help you understand something. When God is your helper and God is your keeper, it doesn't matter what storm you're flying into. When you place your trust in him, he's got you. That's really it. He's got you. And he wants us to live with that kind of confidence. And you can have that confidence when you come to him. When you say yes to Jesus Christ as being the way, the truth, and the life, when you confess Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are placed in the family of God. And in your life, you'll see the faithfulness of God all through your life. Fathers, God is not done with you. God is still using you. Families, God is not done. He's still using you. And listen, God still wants to do more through you. That that your, your testimony can be the doxology of Jude 24. Now I'll close with this. He says, now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and prevent you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, You missed it already. He said, now under him, he's speaking from a testimony of experience, who is able to keep you from falling, then you're able to live with great joy. Come, you're not with me just yet here. That when you put your faith and trust in Christ, you're able to say, you know what, whatever I go through, whatever I'm happening right now, now under him who is able to keep me, no matter what I'm going through, he's able to keep me. bow your heads all over the building. I admit, life is hard. There are struggles and challenges that are greater than us. But there's nothing you'll ever experience that's greater than God. Our Savior conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. That when we come to Him and confess Jesus as our Lord, we too will know like the psalmist. That God is our help. You came in there asking, where does my help come from? The Holy Spirit is answering, your help comes from the Lord. And you can receive that help. If today you say yes to Jesus Christ, with your heads bowed, with your heads bowed. If that's you, I want to ask that you just lift your hands up. That if you're in a place now where, well, you know what, I came in and I needed help, and I know now that Christ is that help, and I want to accept him as my Lord and Savior. Lift your hands up. I see you, my brother. Lift your hands up. Lift up your hands up. If that's, if that's you, I see you, my sister. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up if you don't mind. I see young people. Good job. I see you. I see you. Because when you say yes to him, he will help you, and he will keep you. I want to pray for you right now that you know this as a part of your life. So, Father, we thank you so much in the name of Jesus for those who've lifted up their hands because they want to know you as their helper. They want to know you as their keeper. We ask, Father, that you would strengthen all families and strengthen all fathers in this place. And those who are making a decision to follow you in faith, we ask that, God, that you draw them ever so close to yourself, that they will know you personally, that when the trials come and the struggles come and whatever they're going through, they'll know that you're the God who sticks with us and that you're right there for them. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the hearts that you are changing even now. And I praise your name for it. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.